This is a Yellow Wave production. So, if any of you guys know me <clears throat> at all, you know that I'm a true crime, just fanatic, I d obsession. I don't even know. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I don't know how else to say it. I love true crime. And as weird as that sounds, I don't love the actual crimes. I'm just so fascinated by humans and our psychology and how that plays out in day-to-day -day life. And I'm fascinated with when it goes crazy in any direction. I don't care. It just, it's so interesting to me. And so, yeah, we're doing a murder. Uh, or, in this case, 20-plus murders. Um, I was on Murderpedia. Check it out if you're interested in true crime true crime it's amazing so i was on there <clears throat> and i was doing all this research just trying to find i like to see pattern well it's not that i like to see patterns i tend to find patterns um pretty quickly and easily that other people kind of seem to miss or not notice um i'm not trying to claim to be a genius or anything i just notice stuff on paper in real life like real quick and so I was looking at men and women killers and then states and then times of birth and just all sorts of stuff like a lot of September and November and December births like almost everyone on there was born in that time not everyone but almost everyone which I haven't even gotten into that personally so I'm not going to elaborate on here but that that really has me intrigued so this one I couldn't so I decided to look up women and I just saw this 20 plus and I'm like who is this because a lot of the women murders are for in the past like 1800s early 1900s and for money and if they weren't that it was chance chances are it was a postpartum situation or um, anything like that, but with kit, there are kids, which I can't, even, I can't talk about that because I cannot even go there. I just can't go there. But this one was 20 plus. So I'm like, this is for sure not a child situation. Like these aren't her kids. Uh, no, they're not. 
this and and the location of this so listen i'm just going to get into it and then we can go from there if you can't tell i'm extremely excited to be doing this okay also right before i start i need to tell you this is located in india and i cannot guarantee i'm pronouncing any of this even remotely correct this is not an ignorance thing well, I mean, I guess it is. It's not a, it isn't an ignorance thing. It's not a disrespectful ignorance thing. I just don't know how to say a lot of, like her name, for example. I'm going to do everything and say everything how I feel like it would be. Could be wrong, but the the way I pronunciate, enunciate, pronunciate, did I just make up a word? I did. Oh man, we are getting off to a great start. The way I enunciate and or pronounce these names and words that are foreign to my language, my native language, are irrelevant because the story is what matters and the story is crazy. And um, I should also, without diving into it too much, let you know that I'm kind of obsessed with her. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying I'm kind of obsessed with her. Like I'm reading as I was reading this and decided finally like this is I have to do it because I can't stop thinking about her. I'm just like, hell yes. So take it for what it's worth. I don't condone murder, but stay tuned and then you can decide for yourself. So we are talking about Fulan Devi. Okay, it's P-H-O-O-L-A-N and then her last name is D-E-V-I. She's classified as a murderer, um, and she has an AKA slash a name. You know, not every murderer has a name or serial killer, which I don't know that you can consider this serial, whatever. But she's also known as the Bandit Queen. Her characteristics are to avenge her gang rape. That was why she was doing all this. Number of victims is 20 plus. Date of murder was January 30th, 1981. She was arrested in February of 1983. She was born on August 10th, 1963. Her victim profile is men, upper caste villagers. If you look up anything about India, they have caste systems. And they are extremely extreme, just like India. I mean, I can't remember what book it was, but I I. Oh, I guarantee you I can find it in a couple minutes. And maybe later I'll throw that out there. But that was my first introduction. Like, it it was not even an introduction. I was, like, tossed into the deep end with history and socialism and all that. Not socialism, but, like, how everything works in India. And it's one of my favorite books. It's absolutely insane. I think about it all the time because it was so extreme like I said like that everything there is just so hype like hyped up and heightened and just so different from here but also not really it's very interesting and socially just fascinating and not necessarily in a good way. Fulan Devi was born on August 10th, 1963, like we mentioned, which is one day before me. Different year, obviously, but she is for sure a Leo, and you're going to get to recognize that as we continue with this story. 
Um, again, she was popularly known as the Bandit Queen. She was an Indian decoy, which means bandit, and then later a politician. So normally it'd be the other way around, like a politician and then a bandit. Nope. She was a bandit and did all this stuff and then became a politician. This only adds to her level of being such a badass. After being gang raped by some members of her village, Fulan Devi turned bandit and authorized the killing of 22 upper caste villagers in 1981. These were all men. After this, she became notorious across India as a bandit. Some people believe that most of her crimes were committed to strictly seek justice for women's suffering, particularly those in the unfortunate lowest castes. But the Indian authorities consider this a myth. She was once falsely imprisoned for seeking those involved in her rape to be tried for their crimes. Then made a martyr for exacting this revenge independently from authority and as a part of a gang. After that, she surrendered and successfully contested election as a member of the Samajwadi Party. The 1994 film Bandit Queen was loosely based on her life. So, going on to that, we're going to talk about her early life next. She's fascinating. Again. You don't even need to know any details other than the fact of the basic like she was gang raped and then that was the reason she did these murders and she after all of this became a politician in this is in india mind you india i'm just so she's she is uh one in a million because that's insane i don't even know how she did it But we're going to find out, so stay tuned. The Illinois State Crime Stoppers Association is a broad-based crime-fighting and crime-prevention program whose mission is to develop and facilitate Crime Stoppers programs through the state of Illinois. In order to accomplish this mission, the Illinois State Crime Stoppers Association will strive to promote through marketing and awareness the concepts of Crime Stoppers by facilitating the partnership between the community, media, and law enforcement for the purpose of crime fighting and crime prevention, to promote the creation of local and scholastic Crime Stoppers programs throughout the state, to provide leadership through the use of an annual state conference, continuing education, resources, statistics, and mentoring, as well as maintaining, improving, and expanding training programs to maintain a high level of program standards through a system of certification, to communicate through networking and publication, and to provide representation at the local, state, national, and international levels, to secure and provide funding to meet state association goal. If you would like to give a tip, please call 1-800-222-TIPS. That's 1-800-222-TIPS. For more information, visit www.illinoiscrimestoppers.org. Again, for the people in the back, that's www.illinoiscrimestoppers.org. Fulan's early life. She was born into the Mala, which is a boatman caste, in the small village of Gurakapura in Walan District, Uttar Pradesh. 
She was the fourth child of Debbie Din and Moolah. Her father owned an acre of land with a huge neem tree on it. He hoped that the valuable timber of the tree would enable him to pay the dowry for his daughter's marriages. When Fulan was 11 years old, her grandparents passed away within a short time and her uncle declared himself the head of the family. He took over the inheritance by deceit, leaving Fulan's family to remain in poverty. Her uncle had a son, Mayadin. He cut down the neem tree and sold the wood, intending to keep the proceeds for himself. Although her father submitted with mild protest, Fulan confronted her cousin. Get it, girl. She taunted him, publicly calling him a thief and attacked him. With her older sister, she staged a sit-in on his land. Even after violence against Fulan, which by violence we're talking knocking her out with a brick, she wouldn't relent. In an effort to rid himself of Fulan, Mayadin arranged to have her married to a man named Pudilal, who lived several hundred miles away. Pudilal was in his 30s. Fulan was 11. Let's just sit with this for one second. This man was in his 30s, and she was 11. And this was not only (laughs) accepted, this was like encouraged. I'm like rocking back and forth, you guys. I cannot handle this. Devi claimed in her autobiography that he was a man of, in quotes, very bad character. That alone just makes me so angry. <clears throat> because that, that means he was just like a shitty person. Guarantee it. Fulan's husband raped and mistreated her, which was agonizing for her to endure, particularly due to her age and isolation. Remember, she's 11. <laughs> oh, Okay. <clears throat> So, of course, she runs away several times, and every time she would be returned to her husband for severe punishment. Eventually, she was returned to her village, being deemed too young to fulfill her duties as a wife. I would argue that's accurate. She is not meant to be a wife. She is 11. Okay? (laughs) Of course she's too young, idiots. I mean, come on. Figure it out. Three years later, in 1977, she was returned again back to Pudi Lal's home. She fought this and was very upset about it and eventually was returned back to her father's home. That's a pretty big deal. That's, that doesn't happen often, and when it does, it is not good. In this case, obviously it is good, but not in their where they're at, where they're at with their values and their beliefs. That is not ideal. At that time, a wife leaving her husband was a serious taboo, and Fulan was marked by a by her society as a social outcast. Okay, just because of the, for that alone, Fulan continued to challenge her cousin Mayadin, accusing him of thievery. She even took him to court for unlawfully holding her father's land, but unfortunately, she lost the case. In 1979, Mayadin accused Fulan of stealing small items from his house and arranged for her arrest by the police. During the three days in jail, she was beaten and raped by the authorities. I'm disgusted. I'm having a hard time talking about this because it's just so... I guarantee you she was raped and beaten by other men in the prison, but also the authorities. Like, there's something about that situation where the person in charge or the people who are supposed to be in charge are doing that it's just a whole level of disgusting 
She blamed her cousin for the injustice, naturally. And this is probably this this the turning moment, not even just her, her being married off to a 30-something-year-old. This right here probably sealed her hatred for men. Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. Like, this is probably when it was just... There's no, there's a before and after because this changes everything. Um, it just, she, she basically is just done at this point. Um, and she developed that, like we mentioned, strong hatred for men who routinely denigrated women. When she was released from prison, she was further shunned by her village and her family. Justice was elusive for her, um, as it is for anyone, because it doesn't really exist. I mean, we do our best as humans, but there's no such thing as justice, in my opinion. But so I understand this. She could never find that feeling of having justice. Like she never felt like it was ever made right. And she felt very hurt by her helplessness. Now we're going to talk about her life as a Dequa, which is, as we remember from earlier, a bandit. Also, there is quite a bit of information left. I haven't even barely skimmed the surface, so I'm really going to pick up speed here and do my very best to remember that as I'm talking and not input my personal opinions because apparently I can't help myself still. But anyways, we need to get on with her story and so I'm just going to be very quick here and just basically read this outright and keep my little side notes out of it as much as I can. So in 1979 a gang of Dequas abducted Fulan. Some argue that she was not kidnapped but decided to walk away from her life. The gang leader Babu Gujar who was a Gujar wanted to rape her. However, she was protected by Vikram Mala, the second-in-command of the gang who belonged to Fulan's caste. One night, when Babu attempted to rape Fulan, Vikram killed him and assumed the gang leadership. Fulan fell in love with this man who had undoubtedly protected her and became Vikram's second wife. The gang ransacked the village where Fulan's husband lived. Fulan stabbed her estranged husband and dragged him in front of the villagers. The gang left him lying almost dead by the road with a note as a warning for older men who marry young girls. Get after it. Love that. Fulan Devi learned how to use a rifle from Vikram and participated in the gang's activities across Uttar Pradesh and Madhya Pradesh. The activities consisted of ransacking high-caste villages, kidnapping upper-caste landowners for ransom, and train robberies. So basically, they're going after the rich people. Men, I should say. Rich men. After every crime, Fulan Devi would visit a Durga temple and thank the goddess for her protection. The gang hid out in the ravines of Shambhal and Dolpur. So she would go to this temple after all of these crimes and thank the goddess Durga for her protection. That's awesome. Okay, so then we get into Bamai incidents. This is when some stuff goes down. So sometime later, Sri Ram and Lala Ram these are two upper caste Dequa brothers belonging to the Thakur caste, they returned to the gang. They were outraged by the killing of the gang leader by a low caste gang member. That would be Vikram. Sri Ram would make sexual advances towards Fulan. This led to tensions between Sri Ram and Vikram who made him apologize to Fulan. 
When the gang would ransack a village, Sri Ram would beat and insult the Malas. This displeased the Malas in the gang, many of whom left the gang. Makes sense. When Sri Ram got a dozen Thakuras to join the gang, Vikram suggested the gang be divided into two, but Sri Ram refused. Shortly afterwards, Sri Ram and other Thakur members in the gang attempted to kill Fulan and Vikram, who managed to escape. However, they later did successfully kill Vikram and abducted Fulan and locked her up in the Bamai village. Fulan Devi was beaten and raped by several men in Bamai. After three weeks, she managed to escape with two other Malas from Vikram's gang, helped by a low-caste villager. She gathered a gang of Malas that she led with Man Singh, a member of Vikram's former gang. The gang carried out a series of violent robberies in North and Central India, mainly targeting upper-caste people. Again, they're going after the, pe- the people in power and with money. Um, strictly, that's like their goal. Some say that Fulan Devi targeted only the upper caste people and shared the loot with the lower caste people, but the Indian authorities insist this is a myth. I have to say, I don't believe the Indian authorities at all. Just gonna throw that out there. 17 months after her escape from Bamai, Fulan returned to the village to take her revenge. On February 14th, 1981, she chose Valentine's Day, you guys. I mean, get it, girl. Fulan and her gang marched into the Bamai village dressed as police officers. The Thakurs in the village were preparing for a wedding. Fulan's gang demanded that her kidnappers be produced, so they're wanting the people that killed Vikram and the, the specific people who kidnapped her all those weeks later, you know, earlier, I mean, when she was raped and held in Bamai. So they wanted those people specifically to be brought forward along with all the valuables in the village. Details of what exactly happened aren't available, but Fulan is said to have recognized two men who earlier had sexually assaulted her and murdered her lover. When Fulan's gang failed to find all the um, upper caste the cure men in the village and shoot them. Nope. Sorry, got a little excited there. When Fulan's gang failed to find all the kidnappers after an exhaustive search, so they searched high and low, basically. It seems like they searched literally every building, every room, every every inch of the place, and they could not find the all of the kidnappers. She ordered her gang members to line up all the upper caste, the cure men in the village, and shoot them. So she's like, okay, if you guys aren't going to help us find these people or Tell us where they are and bring them forward. We're going to shoot all of you. The Dequas opened fire and killed 22 Thakur men, most of whom were not involved in her kidnapping or rape. Later, Fulan Devi claimed that she herself didn't kill anybody in Bamai. All the killings were carried out by her gang members. The Bamai massacre was followed by a massive police manhunt that failed to locate Fulan Devi. VP Singh who is, at the time, Chief Minister of Uttar Pradesh, resigned in the wake of the Bamai killings. Fulan Devi began to be called the Bandit Queen. Dolls of Fulan Devi, dressed as Hindu goddess Durga, were sold in market towns in Uttar Pradesh. She was glorified by much of the Indian media. Two years after the Bamai massacre, the police had still not captured Fulan Devi. The Indira Gandhi government decided to negotiate a surrender. By this time, Fulan was in poor health and most of her gang members were dead. So, in February of 1983, she agreed to surrender to the authorities. But, 
She said she didn't trust the Uttar Pradesh police and insisted that she would only surrender to the Madhya Pradesh police. She also insisted that she would lay down her arms only before Mahatma Gandhi's picture and the Hindu goddess Durga, not to the police. She put before four conditions. So these the, here are four things that she asked for. She wanted affirmation of an aversion of death penalty. She wanted the term for the other members that were going to be surrendering with her that it not exceed eight years. So they spend no longer than eight years um, in prison. I think I said that right. No, so eight years maximum. Okay, just that's just going to have to be. I don't know why I'm struggling with how to word that. She also wanted a plot of land for her reconciliation and her entire family, she wanted them to be escorted by the police to her surrender ceremony. An unarmed police chief met her at a hiding place in the Shambhal ravines, which is where they were hiding um, out from everyone and why they were not captured yet. They walked their way to Bind, where she laid her rifle before the portraits of Gandhi and goddess Durga. The onlookers included a crowd of around 10,000 people and 300 police and the chief minister of Madhya Pradesh at the time, Arjun Singh. Arjun, I don't know why, but I want to call him AJ, so that's what I'll do. <laughs> so AJ's there too. The reason for the 300 police personnel is because they were going to be arresting the other members of her gang who were going to be surrendering at the same time. My guess is they were probably nervous that something was going to go down and that it was a trick or something or just wanted to be sure to have enough people. But, I mean, 300 police is a lot, but I kind of get that in a way. Uh, Fulan was charged with 48 crimes, including 30 charges of dequity, banditry, and kidnapping. Her trial was delayed for 11 years, which she served in the prison. During this period, she was operated on for ovarian cysts and was given an unnecessary hysterectomy. I did not read that ahead of time, and I am livid right now. They gave her an unnecessary and probably didn't even ask for her permission. They just gave her a hysterectomy. That is horrible. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. So, hold on. Sorry, I just, this caught me off guard. The doctor of the hospital reportedly said later that, and this is in quotes, we don't want Fulan Devi breeding more Fulan Devis. Fuck you, asshole. Oh, that is, mm mm-mm. That is not okay. I'm, like, clenching my fist, you guys. I'm ready to fight. Okay, I'm reining it in. Moving on. She was finally released on parole in 1994 after persuasion by Vishampar Prasad Nishad. That's a mouthful. Um, he was a leader of the Nishada fisherman community. The government of Uttar Pradesh, led by Mulayam Singh Yadav, withdrew all the cases against her. So everything just pretty much went away. Now, remember how we talked about she did all this stuff and was in jail and all that and then became it went into politics that's where this happened so in 1996 she stood for election to the 11th Lok Sabha representing the Samajwadi party on a platform of helping the poor and oppressed she was successfully elected in the constituency of Mirzapur in Uttar Pradesh. She lost her seat in the 1998 election, but was re-elected in the 1999 election and was a sitting member of parliament when she was assassinated. 
Now, there are, I also mentioned the movie that was loosely based on her life. Um, so that was made by Shakar Kapoor, and it's called Bandit Queen, made in 1994. Uh, and it was about her life up to her 1983 surrender, based on Mala Sen's 1993 book, India's Bandit Queen, The True Story of Fulan Devi. Although Fulan Devi is a heroine in the film, she fiercely disputed its accuracy and fought to get it banned in India. She even threatened to immolate herself outside a theater if the film were not withdrawn. Eventually, she withdrew her objections after the producer, Channel 4, paid her 40,000, it looks like, euros? Uh, the film, I don't know, though. That doesn't necessarily make sense, but whatever. The film brought her international recognition. Author-activist Arundhati Roy, in her film review, said that, hold on, no, she titled it The Great Indian Rape Trick and questioned the right to restage the rape of a living woman without her permission and, <laughs> this is awesome, charged Shakar Kapoor with exploiting Fulan Devi and misrepresenting both her life and its meaning. Basically, if you did, if I didn't make sense there, it's because I was trying to figure out how to word this, but basically, this uh, review person who does reviews and is an also an activist, was very upset about the rape th scene and everything and, and wanted to bring to light, like, how, if especially if the person's still alive and is not okay with this coming out, how is it okay to keep showing this scene, which will be watched anytime it needs to be watched and wants to be watched, because once it's out there, it's out there, if the woman is still alive. Like, it's very personal, and I get that. I totally could see that argument. Um... And although she was illiterate, Fulan composed her autobiography entitled The Bandit Queen of India, an Indian woman's amazing journey from peasant to international legend with the help of international authors Marie-Therese Cuny and Paul Rambali. That's very interesting. So she, as we can tell, does not let anything or anyone stop her. And just because she can't read or write doesn't matter. She wrote a book. I just love her. Her death happened on July 25th, 2001. She was shot by three masked gunmen outside of her Delhi bungalow. She was hit five times, three shots to her head and two to her body. The gunmen fled the scene in a Maruti car. She was taken to a nearby hospital, but was declared dead. The prime person accused of the murder, Shur Singh Rana, who goes by an alias of Pangaj, later surrendered himself to the police. Rana allegedly claimed to have murdered Fulan Devi to take revenge for the 21 upper caste men she gunned down in the Bamaya massacre. In the immediate aftermath of the, aftermath of the murder, the police were accused of incompetence in their handling of the case. It was alleged that a party, per, party worker picked up revolvers that had been dumped by the killers and then hid them. Three other people staying in her house were accused of knowing about the revolvers. These revolvers disappeared before the police could ever conduct a forensic test on them. That is so frustrating. So now I'm going to read a quick little article by Molly Moore titled Story of the Bandit Queen's Medal, India's Famed Outlaw. It's from the Washington Post Foreign Service in New Delhi. This basically will give us just a summary and a little bit more in-depth idea of who she was and why she's so important and what's happened like the fact that it's highlighting stuff that's happening in India all the time okay 
Fulan Debbie was born dirt poor, low caste, and female. She grew up hard and fast in rural North India, married at age 11, abandoned by her husband, jailed, raped, kidnapped by bandits. By the time she was 20, Debbie turned outlaw, and in the inhospitable desert ravines of her native land, Fulan Debbie became a legend. She was feared and revered as the bandit queen, leader of a gang of decoys, robbers, that plundered and murdered, often stealing from the rich, higher castes and sharing the spoils with the poor, lower castes. She made international headlines when she was implicated in the largest gang massacre in modern Indian history, reputedly an act of vengeance for the murder of her bandit lover and for her own gang rape by upper-class landowners. Her story is the stuff of movies. Modern-day Indian Robin Hood and Bonnie Parker with a touch of Gloria Steinem all rolled into one. But Bandit Queen, the movie, India's nominee for next year's Best Foreign Film Oscar, has become one of the most controversial motion pictures ever to come out of Bombay's Bollywood studios. The conservative Indian Film Censor Board has barred release of the movie because of its violent rape scenes, nudity, and depiction of sensitive political issues. Cry me a river. That's my commentary. Couldn't help it. Debbie, who cannot read or write and was only recently freed after serving 11 years in prison, has filed a court suit to keep the film out of Indian cinemas, charging that it is an unauthorized invasion of her privacy. This is a quote from her. They are raping me all over again and selling me on the screen, says the 32-year-old woman whose life has become a frenetic media whirl since her release from prison in February. They are selling my honor. The debate over Bandit Queen has dominated Indian newspaper headlines and titillated a public that has been forbidden to see the movie even as it has been shown at the Cannes, London, and Toronto film festivals. Some news organizations, including the Washington Post, have been allowed to view the Hindi movie at select screenings. But the rancor over Bandit Queen goes far deeper than the usual censor board debate over sex and violence. The movie offers a brutal view of the way women are treated in poor rural India, Indian society. It is a story of social inequities and injustice, of discrimination and desperation. It rips open some of the ugliest wounds of Indian society, wounds that middle-class Indians would prefer remain closed and forgotten. Her personal story, extraordinary as it is, reflects many aspects of life as experienced by thousands of women in rural India who continue to strive against a feudal order that persists in a modern in quotes, modern society, a society in which peasantry collides with capitalist markets and technology. Debbie's biographer, Mala Sen, writes in her introduction to India's Bandit Queen, the true story of Fulan Devi, from which the movie was adapted. Of the movie, Sen told reporters during the London Film Festival, the violence and brutality depicted in the film is happening in India every day. It's about time that we opened our eyes and looked at this reality. Seema Biswas, the 29-year-old actress who plays Devi in the movie, said she found the role so traumatic and draining that she suffered a near breakdown by the time the filming was complete. The movie, like the reality that Sen and the film's producers say it depicts, is disturbing to watch. The real Bandit Queen story is no less disturbing to hear. And if you've been paying attention and really listening to this, I don't know how you can not agree. Like, it is disturbing. It's it's insane and it is fascinating in the way that you can't hear it and not want change or not be shocked or not absolutely appalled at the fact that it just this is real life this is a real story i'm going to wrap up this episode about fulan devi which i could 
continue to go on for hours. The stuff I'm finding is just endless. But this this last part is a lot of stuff from her. Like we hear more from her. And there are things in here that kind of go against, not contradict, but are different than what was mentioned in the very, very beginning when we just cover her timeline, like just her life, really. Um, and I'll try to point them out as we go quickly, just to so you're not confused. Like, wait, I thought this is what happened. <clears throat> this section is called Lost Girlhood. I was married when I was 11, Debbie begins, swathed in a white cotton shawl that swallows her now frail, four foot 10 inch frame. If I hadn't gotten married at that young age, my life would not have been ruined. Debbie has agreed to speak with a reporter at her rented New Delhi apartment where she is attempting to begin a new life with a new husband. She shifts uncomfortably beneath the shawl. In her native Hindi dialect, she says softly, even now I fight with my mother about it. She tries to rationalize her parents' decision to marry her off to a man three times her own age, in much the same way that modern India wrestles with the child bride phenomenon, which remains prevalent in rural villages despite laws intended to curb the practice. One of six children born to a poor North Indian farmer who scratched out a living by working other people's rocky, arid land, Debbie said her parents struggled just to feed their offspring. When a relative found a prospective room for young Fulan, whose name in Hindi means flower goddess, oh, I love that, her parents agreed to the match. The man gave Fulan's family a cow, as was customary in marital arrangements, and took the frightened child bride home with him. Her mother asked by reporter several... Okay, start that over. Her mother asked by reporters several years later why she had married off her daughter at that age, replied, Poverty is a terrible thing. We are forced to do many things because of it. How can I explain? Which just breaks my heart. My parents had the best intentions for me, Debbie now says. They thought, he's got money. My daughter will be married. She'll be happy. Her large brown eyes hardened. No one knew that he was not a man. He was a monster. Debbie said that her husband took a second wife and that the two often beat her, treating her as little more than a slave. She ran away and returned to her parents' home, but they sent her back. Terrified of sex, she wailed each time her husband forced himself on her. Finally, he abandoned her on a riverbank. So this part, I, I thought that he, she kept running away, which she did, it says, but I, I was under the impression that he took her back to the village, but he didn't even do that. He just left her on a riverbank. Her parents dishonored that their daughter had been kicked out of the house by her husband, farmed her out to relatives. Because as we mentioned, it's a big deal for that to happen. Whether you're, whether you leave and come back or you're taken back or you're left in general, doesn't matter. That's not ideal. As a divorced, low-caste woman in a rural village, Debbie encountered the wrath of conservative Indian society, which is ruled by a strict code of social separation. Her family was from a community called the Malas, low-caste fishermen and boatmen. Most of the Malas were landless peasants who worked the soil of the Thakurs, a higher caste of feudal landowners and businessmen. During Debbie's youth in the 1970s, as in rural India today, the Malas often were repressed and abused by the Thakurs. Debbie, who was more outspoken than most of her fellow Malas, as we know, was the target of constant torment and harassment by upper caste men in the village. Eventually, she was jailed on charges that she'd stolen articles from the house of a cousin with whom her family had been feuding for years. That would be my odd, and I'm guessing. 
After 20 days in the village jail, she was bailed out by the Thakuris who owned the property her father farmed. In payment, the men demanded sex from her, according to her biographer. How Fulan Devi ended up in the hands of outlaw bandits is murky. She has said she was kidnapped and physically abused by the gang leader. As to why she eventually gave in to the gang and its ruthless leaders, even when she had the chance to escape, Debbie told her biographer, a piece of property has no choice. Okay, so this makes me wonder if it's basically a form of human trafficking, but which is kind of like how they live over there, it seems. Like, there's a lot of similarities. Um, and that's even more sad. Like, if it, just when you think this cannot possibly get more sad, it does. One fact is certain. In the early 1980s, in the rocky ravines of the rugged Chambral Valley in the state of Uttar Pradesh, the legend of the bandit queen was born. And I'm so glad that it was. Although, I really wish we didn't know about her, because that would mean that none of that stuff happened. But it did. And she did what she could. And whether or not she killed any of those men or ordered it or had any part of it, or if she really was in a human trafficking situation in a country that is not even hiding that, it's not even a hidden thing. Um, if that was the case, it's just at least she got something out of it. I mean, I don't even know. Again, there's no justice. There's just not. Um However, I'm so happy to have learned about her. I have never heard of her before, and now I am obsessed, and I love her, and I will be learning even more about her because, you guys, I had to cut it off. There were so many more things I wanted to tell you about her, so many more things that are even now, just now, in 2019, coming out and forward, because if you think about it, that makes sense. So much stuff that we learned as the, these reporters are talking to her, and she's opening up a little bit here and there were not shared in her other history, you know, like it was unknown stuff. I have no doubt there is so much inside of her that she left unknown because she never talked about it, which is her right. It's just, it makes me wonder what more does she know? What more did she see? What more did she do? Um, yeah, she's, she is definitely a badass. And so I'm glad and honored to have covered her for my first murder episode 20 plus whether or not again whether or not she had anything to do with it or a choice or whatever i don't care i just love her and i hope that you guys enjoyed this and if you don't love her as well that's okay you have that right but i hope you at least enjoyed this episode and i hope that you do some digging into india just check it out look into it it's absolute chaos it's insanity it is utter it's 2019 and just i can't i can't because it's still the exact same way as it was then for her it's just absolutely mind-blowing so look into that check that out learn something today more than you already did with this episode and that's it that's all she wrote that's not all she wrote but that's all i'm going to talk about because it's time to cut this one off so, again, hope you enjoyed. We'll be back next week. Bye. Earth to Brit can be found wherever you go to get your next podcast fix. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast. 
Emails can be sent to earthtobrit.podcast at gmail.com. The podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earthtobrit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's, B-R-I-T-T. One more thing, if you haven't subscribed yet, please take a minute and do that right now. And while you're at it, head on over to iTunes and rate and review the show. Each comment, each rate, each review, all of it, it all means so much to me. And you might be thinking, oh, I'm just one person. I can't, I can't have an impact. You sure can. You sure can. And you do every time that you rate and review my show. So do that now, okay? Thank you so much. I love you guys. Bye. That's a wrap. Peace out. Sean Print with the zip up, high hats with the hiccups, dark tints on a pickup, pineapples and liquor. She moved with the machine, played a game to change it. This is how it is to be. This is what I'm made She likes the Sean Print with the zip up, high hats with the hiccups, dark tints on a pickup, pineapples and liquor. She moved with the machine, played a game to change it. This is a Yellow Wave production.